0: I am back with a Founders Journal-style episode where I talk for between 5 and 20 minutes about a topic that is pressing to business builders, everything from how to find product market fit to how to fire your first employee to how to brainstorm your next big idea. Before we get into the episode, I would love for you to shoot me an email, very simple task. At minimum, just say hi. H-I, two letters, and at maximum tell me a topic that I should cover in an upcoming founder's journal. If I know the topic well, I'll cover it. If I don't, I will have an expert do a celebrity shot style journal in the future. Here's the preamble to today's episode. I've been reading an unbelievable book on building businesses. It's potentially the best book I've ever read on like a a tangible operating system for you have a business, you're at some stage of that business, and you're asking yourself, what do I do to run this business well? This book is, I think, the best book that answers that question. I think it should be required reading for any entrepreneur. It's called The Great CEO Within, and it's written by Matt Mochari, who is this world-famous CEO coach for CEOs at companies like Coinbase, Door, AngelList, Notion, Reddit, the list goes on. And Matt actually joined Jesse and I for an interview on The Crazy Ones, which I think you're going to love. But as I've been reading this book, basically as prep for that interview, I've come to the realization that there are probably 20-plus Founders Journal episodes hidden within this book. So this is the first episode of possibly many more related to lessons from Great CEO Within. And today, I'm going to specifically be talking about how to pick the right co-founder. Let's hop into it. If you want the cliff notes, here are the most important recommendations uh, related to picking your co-founder. And I'm going to go into detail on each of these throughout the episode. First, have a co-founder. But if you can't find a good co-founder, being a solo founder is better than having a bad co-founder. Second, give your co-founder a lot of equity. And third, don't split your equity 50-50. I'll get into each of these. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of a new entrepreneur. You've come up with a massive business idea. It's an idea that solves a painful problem that you've experienced and you're eager to start building. And so that leads you to the natural next question, which is, do I build this thing alone or do I build it with someone? I'm going to tell you my experience, and then I'm going to share what Matt Mochari and other people who are way smarter than me, what they would say around this topic of, do I find a co-founder? Now you have to remember when I was starting Morning Brew, we didn't think that it was a business. This was just a fun senior year project that I was doing to help students enjoy business news. And I found that the work of putting together this newsletter every day for four plus hours, while trying trying to grow it and grow the audience, it was a ton of work, and I wanted help. So I literally just sent an email to all of my initial readers, and I want to say at the time it was probably a hundred to two hundred people. And I just emailed them saying, hey, this is the deal with Market Corner. That was the name before Morning Brew. Uh, I need help with this. If you wanna work on taking this to the next level, let me know. And I got this email from Austin Reef, and we met up after I got his email in the business school at Michigan. We actually met before Beer Pong League because we were both in the same fraternity. He was two years younger. And every week there was Beer Pong League at the fraternity house. So we met before that, we spoke for a few hours and I just loved the way that his brain worked. It was so different from mine, and I knew that having a deeply linear, focused, and analytical thinker by my side could only be helpful within this project. And so that's how Austin and I became co-founders. It's actually pretty crazy. We spent only 15 hours together before probably making the biggest decision one makes in business other than the idea. And eight years later, it's proven to be the best decision that I've made in the history of the company. And I think the reason it's worked is, like anything, part luck and part skill. So I'll talk about the skill part of choosing the right co-founder. The skill was me picking someone whose skills complemented mine so well. I was the right brain of the business, more creative, content-focused, sales-minded. Austin was more the left brain, analytical, linear, strategic, methodical. And then the other skill was me picking someone who had similar values to mine. Austin is high integrity. He loves to win. And he also shared the vision for the business of making business news and business information actually enjoyable for our generation. But then there was a whole lot of luck. The luck was, first of all, the timing and also things I didn't know about Austin because we didn't spend that much time diligencing each other that ended up being huge advantages. So let's talk about the timing piece. The fact that we started our business in college was massively lucky. It gave us a year head start to build a business without worrying about needing to make money to live. So that was both a timing thing that was luck and also just the privilege of our parents paying for college for us. I don't know if we started Morning Brew after I had graduated if it would be around today, because it took us basically two and a half years to actually start making any money on the business. If I was in my first role at Morgan Stanley and you told me that the business idea that I was starting at that point in time would take another two and a half years to make money, I don't know if I would sign up for that. The other lucky part was the stuff that I didn't know about Austin because I didn't really spend time getting to know him as a partner before saying, you're my partner. A few things come to mind. First, Austin has an obsessive brain. He is and has always been thinking about our business constantly. And so whereas I have a tendency to be more reactive, a little bit more (laughs) laissez-faire, maybe a little lazier, Austin was the bomb-sniffing dog of business, always proactively finding problems before they became true problems. And then the other thing I didn't realize until much later was Austin's lifelong desire to be an entrepreneur and build businesses. Both of his parents are small business owners, and it was his aspiration long before I knew him to follow in their footsteps and build some type of business. And I don't think he knew what type of business he wanted to build. Now that you have my view of what it was like for me to bring on a co-founder and what I did well versus what was luck, I want to share Matt Mochari's view of co-founders. But I, I also want to mention one other crazy lucky thing that happened to Austin and I around the process of finding co-founders. So after I brought Austin on to be my partner in my first semester of senior year at Michigan and Market Corner, uh, had a few hundred subscribers. There were two other guys that I knew in the business school, and actually one of them was in my fraternity as well, and they had expressed interest in being co-founders. And so we spent some time together, and those two other people also became co-founders in Morning Brew. So there were four co-founders actually in the beginning, and after a few months working together, one of them realized they weren't nearly interested enough in what we were building, and the other wanted to focus on his internship in finance, so they amicably separated from the business. If those two people were still part of Morning Brew, I don't think Morning Brew would have succeeded. And it has nothing to do with these two individuals specifically, but I think the complexity created by having every major decision in a business made by four people rather than two, as well as the lack of complementary skill sets, like they were very similar to Austin and I, I think it would have inevitably taken the business down. So that's how I did the co founder thing. But what does Matt Mochari say? First, he says, get a co founder. Second, he says, don't split equity 50 50. And third, he says, your goal is finding someone that gets you to product market fit. And that's all you should really care about in the beginning. So, why should you find a co founder? It's pretty simple. Solo founders have a high rate of burnout. The emotional burden is just really, really punishing to take on yourself. Here's how I visualize it. When there was. Bad shit happening within Morning Brew, whether it be an advertiser saying no to a $250,000 deal or Russians hacking our website or our first employee ever quitting, the emotional weight of those experiences was very, very heavy. And by having a co founder, rather than me trying to hold up this 300 pound proverbial emotional weight on my back on my own, imagine that someone is with me, kind of holding up this huge rock. That weighs 300 pounds above our head, so I only need to support 150 pounds of it, and he can support 150 pounds of it. It's hard to put a value on the sharing of emotional burden in early-stage startups, but I think the value is massive. Now, Sam Altman, who's the founder of OpenAI, and he's the ex-CEO of Y Combinator, he said this about his view on co-founders. We really prefer at least two founders, but it's not a deal breaker. We funded Drew Houston of Dropbox as a solo founder, but he got a co-founder before the batch started. A bad co-founder is far, far worse than no co-founder, and I'd spend maybe 20% of your time looking for a co-founder and then the rest on your business. But don't force a co-founder if you don't have a good organic option. The more progress you make on the business, the easier it will be to get a great co-founder. So that's what Sam said. So basically, he's saying... Spend a good amount of time on finding a co-founder, but if you find a bad co-founder, don't partner with a bad co-founder. Do it on your own. Build the business and success in the business will attract other co-founders, but the best case scenario is to have a great co-founder. And then Gary Tan, who's now the CEO of Y Combinator, he said, of the top 100 YC-funded companies, only four were solo founders, and those founders were able to create their own MVP on their own. While bad co-founders are still worse than no co-founders, great co-founders significantly increase your chance of success. So to boil Sam and Gary and Matt's view on co-founder, no co-founder, multiple co-founders into kind of one thesis, it's most likely to be successful is having one good co-founder. After that is being a solo founder. And after that is having a bad co-founder. Now, let's say you've made your co-founder decision, then how do you think about equity? My view is once you're settled with who you have picked and you you realize the gravity of the choice you've made, go all in on your co-founder. Don't be afraid to give them a lot of equity Because one, a smaller percentage of something is worth a lot more than a bigger percentage of nothing. And two, you want your co-founder to be incentivized to go to battle on your business day in and day out. And you also want to see them reap the financial rewards if things succeed, and they were a big part of that. Also, remember, the typical equity contract in the startup world, which is a one-year cliff, which means you don't get any equity until one year and one day into the business, and then four-year vesting, which means a little bit of equity is vesting, is accumulating to someone for four years. So you have to stay in the business for four years to receive all of your equity. Basically, that structure is a built-in insurance policy on your decision of the co-founder. And so what that means is if your co-founder is not good, You should be able to know that within a year, in which case they haven't earned into their equity yet. And if your co-founder makes it the full four years, it means they've been hugely helpful to the business and they deserve every single point of equity that they get. That said, Matt Mochari believes that 50-50 splits for co-founders is no good. His view is making every decision by committee day after day is tiresome in a fast-paced startup, and companies actually fail sometimes when consensus can't be reached due to the 50-50 split. Like said differently, what if you and your co-founder end up disagreeing on a major decision and you just can't reach a consensus? Now, Matt acknowledges that there are ways to avoid this. Like if you have a third co founder with a small stake that breaks the tie, but he would argue that it's not worth the headache. On this topic of 50 50 splits, Alex McCaw, who is the former CEO of ClearBit, he's a serial entrepreneur, he's one of Matt's clients. He wrote that the idea of not splitting equity. 50-50 is key, and he went on to say two of his previous companies were destroyed by a 50-50 split. Another important point that Matt makes is that it's okay if you or your co-founder don't add value forever. As you scale, you will most definitely hire people who are more skillful than you or your co-founder in different things. And going back to what I said earlier, your number one priority when bringing on a co-founder is to pick the co-founder that makes your odds of achieving product market fit as high as possible because that is the first most important goal of any business. Everything else is secondary to that. Now, I have one last point I want to make before wrapping up the episode. Like any long-term relationship, having a co-founder isn't easy. It's worth it, but it's not easy. It requires a lot of work. There is going to be stuff that you love about your partner, and there's going to be shit that annoys the hell out of you. That is normal, and that is okay as long as you are value-aligned on the big things. For my co-founder and I, there were absolutely things that we had to work on throughout our relationship, things that we weren't great at as first-time young founders who started this when we were in college. The number one thing for us was poor communication. This is going to sound crazy, but over the course of Morning Brew, Austin and I never once had a one-on-one where we expressed how the other was doing, what we needed more of, and what we were grateful for in the other. And for me personally, this led to a lot of wondering and story-making around how I thought I was doing in the eyes of my co-founder because I really cared about his opinion, but I didn't actually know. And so at times it made me feel insecure and unsure of my value. For any business I co-found moving forward, Weekly one-on-ones with my co-founder is table stakes, and setting the expectation of radical candor from day one will be a non-negotiable as well. So that's my reflection on the most important aspects of choosing a co-founder for your business after reading Matt Mochari's thoughts on this very topic in his book, Great CEO Within. First, I've linked to the book, uh, which is You can buy on Amazon or there's a free version as a Google Doc. So I link to the Google Doc in the show notes if you want to go deeper in this topic or his book overall. And as mentioned at the top, shoot us an email. This could be anything painful you're going through within your business, roadblocks you need help uh, to push through and you don't have the help or support to get there, um, or just something that's taking up a lot of mental real estate related to your career or your business, and you would love for there to be some clarity on it. As always, thank you so much for listening and I will catch you crazies very soon. Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash business gold